This is my convention. What is happening to it? You know why you do it. You don't do it because you get paid well. You don't do it because men love you. You do it because you love men and because more than that you want to honor God. This is Protestia tonight. Hello, and you are listening to this audio-only edition of Protestia Tonight. This is out of schedule. Normally, we do this program on Tuesday, and I am recording this on a Saturday. And as you can probably tell, not in the same place that we normally do the recording, but I appreciate you tuning in. Anyway, this is a program that we hope will be glorifying to God, convicting to sinners, and edifying to the saints, a program with sincere questions and biblical answers. Protestia tonight, like all other Protestia content, is brought to you by our wonderful and intrepid patron supporters who support this ministry on a financial level for only $5.95 a month by going over to Protestia, or excuse me, patreon.com forward slash Protestia. There are multiple levels of support, and we would encourage you, if this content is a blessing to you, if you are properly using it for the edification of your church and your family and your spiritual growth, along with all of the other things that you should be engaged in and studying in terms of theology and Christian practice, we would encourage you to join with us on a financial level. Uh, Join the fight. Uh, This is the original... Uh, original and most widely read and most widely trafficked polemics and discernment ministry on the web and we would appreciate your support we're going to be talking about oh one other thing one other one other housekeeping thing you can also go over to protestia.com and subscribe to the insurgency email blast which is for free three days for seven dollars a month six days of banned news links dropped into your inbox every single day by our wonderful staff who curates this stuff and saves you a lot of time. You don't have to go all over the internet to find um, the relevant news that the mainstream media would rather you not see. Um, You can subscribe uh, for the paid version at $7 a month or you get it free three days, three days a week. Uh, if you don't do the $7 or if you join us on Patreon at any level, uh, $5.95 or up, send me a message on Patreon. I'll make sure you get the six-day version of the Insurgency News Blast um, just like you were paying for it. So if you're doing the math, that is a little bit of a savings. That's a do- dollar and five cent savings, which with Biden inflation, Biden inflation being the way that it is, that's real money. <laughs> that's real money. And if you're uh, planning on supporting us uh, in either of those ways, um, do the Patreon thing. You'll get the full version of this program, which includes the PTVIP, where we answer your sincere questions. This program, uh, because it is audio only, because it is clear I'm not in the studio, the studio is undergoing um, repairs and remodel right now. yeah, because uh, this is the the nature of this program, there will be no PTVIP this time around. I did, I did think about maybe discussing this topic with just the patrons, but if I know our patrons, and I'd like to think that I do, they are supporting this ministry financially because they want it to be a benefit to the entire church, even you lovable freeloaders out there. And so, with with the um, implicit and assumed. Um, endorsement and agreement from our patrons will put this program out in its entirety to everybody. I wanted to go back in time just a little bit. 
um, and discuss Beth Moore because it seems like there's there's still some lingering confusion with regard to why Beth Moore is uh, you know in the in the status that she's in in terms of her 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 reputation and her positioning in the larger evangelical conversation and parachurch ministry world. That's what I wanted to to talk about. But before we get to that, and because we'd like to put this at the front or close to the front of every program, the reason that polemics and discernment is even important, the reason that Christians are willing to argue with one another with one another over the particulars of doctrine and theology and what is true versus not true or what is true versus almost true. The, the reason for all of that is the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, the good news of salvation um, um, offered to the world. And this is, of course, this good news starts with bad news, right? The bad news that you and I and everyone else born except for Christ uh, himself, the incarnate second person of the Holy Trinity, uh, were born into sin. We were born uh, with a sinful nature, rebellious against God, um, with no ability whatsoever to uh, to please him in any way, to reconcile that relationship in any way. And our God is a holy and just and righteous God, um, and he doesn't tolerate sin. He doesn't tolerate sin in any of its uh, the places where it pops up, whether it's behavior or whether it's attraction or whether it's inclination, sin is all um, offensive to God and he does not tolerate it and rightly declares that those uh, who are in rebellion and sin against him will be forever punished apart from him uh, for all of eternity in hell. And yet he loved the world so much that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to step into our place. The Bible says that those of us that place our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, turn from our wicked ways, and trust him for our salvation, will receive the righteousness of Christ. God will see us as righteous and not as the unrighteous, um, uh, filthy, rag-offering people that we are. And he will he will see us as righteous, and and in exchange for that, Jesus died in our place. He paid the price. He paid the punishment, the price owed to the Father for the sins of those of us that place our faith, hope, and trust in Him. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life, uh, earning righteousness on our behalf, and then died a horrific, humiliating. Um, death that he did not deserve on the cross to pay that price for us. Jesus died. He was buried, buried, and on the third day raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he became the firstborn of many brethren. That means that just as Jesus conquered death, was resurrected, um, um, brought back to life by the power of God, so are we, those of us that place our faith, hope, and trust in him and are saved. We are regenerated and renewed by the power of God. And we um, go from death to life. Eternal life is a free gift offered for uh, those that uh, have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you have questions about that, you have questions about what the gospel um, is. There's a, a, a good friend of mine likes to say at the end of his, his podcast um, that Christianity is not about getting saved. Christianity is about being saved. And yet you can't be saved until you are saved. <laughs> 
uh, for a lack of a better way to say it. And if you have questions about exactly what that means, if this was unclear to you, um, please reach out to us. We will we'll, we'll put aside the polemics and discernment anytime that somebody is um, uh, truly seeking the Lord and has more questions about what it means to be to be saved, what it means to uh, truly place their faith, hope, and trust in Christ. Uh, now, the, the program today, uh, I don't have a ton of time for it, but hopefully we can squeeze some in. Uh, there seems to be this you know, if we're not if we're not looking real closely, there seems to be this uh, this uh, red pilling almost of um, pastors and conservative churches and conservative evangelicals concerning Beth Moore. And one of the things that that I think I, I've taken for granted in my few years of, of sort of doing this work and leading, uh, uh, sort of being the leading voice of, of, of this ministry, the public voice, the, the visible guy in the ministry, I, I think I've taken for granted this idea that, hey, once once we've covered something, once we've gone over something, once we've put the, the receipts out there and we've put out articles and we've discussed it in the open, um, there's no need to discuss it again because, A, our readers hopefully will have known by now um, the truth about whatever issue this is, or B, even if they haven't, we can just point them back to, hey, go to the website, man, search for Beth Moore. Go look at the evidence yourself. You're a discerning Christian. Go figure this out. We've we've done a lot of this work for you. It's presented. It's out there. Um, and, and just assuming, hey, we don't need to keep discussing things that are already in that category, but that's not really how the internet works. So when when uh, you know I get on social media or or our intrepid staff writer posts something, and it is highly critical of, of um, Beth Moore, or even the last few days, highly critical of Tim Keller, and it's always met with, um, well, it's often met with this sort of chorus of, "What are you talking about? Explain yourself." I you know I I I love Tim Keller. I love Beth Moore. Explain yourself. Explain, you know, why would you say such a thing? And they're, they're not willing to go, you know, they haven't done the reading. They're not engaging with the subject matter per se. We're posting something um, as if everybody should know, you know, because we know at this point and we can demonstrate it. We can prove it with evidence, what we're saying. Uh, we just say it out in the open sort of, you know, as if everybody should know. And of course they don't. And so we have to sort of go over, very often go over the same argumentation or the same categories or make the case again uh, we can't we I, I seem to t- I tend to take for granted these this idea that everybody in the conversation everybody who's reading or seeing things um, that we post online has already banked all of the other information that's out there about you know the set topic and a couple days ago this was this this sort of came to the fore and and we're obviously this conversation needs to keep going this I pre- I predicted back in May when Tim Keller passed away that there would be this attempt or and maybe not even an overt attempt but just sort of a, a you know the way things go um, but that there was going to be this lionization of him um, after his death to, to basically say hey he's he you can't criticize him anymore and, and not just because he's passed away, but because there were so many, especially guys my age, guys that came up um, and, and uh, in the young, restless and reformed kind of uh, time period and movement. And, and I, don't really, I don't really consider myself to be in the same category as them because you, you need to remember that there, there are a few of us who are in their 40s now who have 
been um, in evangelicalism or in Baptist land or in, in conservative, reformed kind of uh, uh, circles our whole lives. This is what we grew up like this. And, and yet there, there, um, there are good brothers who are now in the pastorate and they're in vocational ministry and things that they didn't come to Christ until, you know, they were in their 20s or they were a teenager or something. They came to Christ later. And it's a pretty common phenomenon that um, the time when, when you come to Christ, the time when your conversion happens, the most influential voices and movements and, and ministries and, and you know, pastors and leaders and things around that time, you, you give them some credit for this. You give them some credit for helping you see the truth. There's, there's nothing particularly wrong with that, but you, it is possible to, it is possible to lionize those people in those voices in uh, that that influenced you in the infancy of of your salvation, the infancy of your walk with Christ, in a way that that you're unwilling to see maybe some of the errors or the the false teaching because it can happen. I mean, you remember that salvation is a work of God. God regenerated you. Tim Keller did not. Um, John MacArthur did not. I mean, you know, name your influential teacher on any part of the spectrum you want to. And if you are truly regenerated, if you're truly a believer, it's God that did that work. And yet there are influential voices who uh, affect us at that moment. And we, we will basically bend over backwards often to not see that it's possible that we came to Christ and were influenced by people that might, might even be false teachers. That's a very real possibility. It happens all the time. People are saved, I believe, even um, you know, despite the false teachers that they uh, that they are under at the time of their salvation. So, I mean, people are saved out you know, who are in Joel Osteen's church. People are saved. I would argue, people are saved and can be saved, even under the uh, um, you know spiritual leadership of Benny Hinn. Now assuming that they're saved, they're going to get the heck out of there because the spirit is going to convict them. The spirit is going to reveal the false teaching amongst them and they're going to leave. And that happens again all the time. But we tend to sort of, we we lock our loyalty for these people in place. Um, This is true with Tim Keller. I mean, just, just uh, what, a couple days ago, uh, mega church pastor, Lake Point pastor Josh Howerton is on Twitter um, basically making the argument that, hey, it's not Tim Keller's fault um, that the results of Kellerism, so to speak, have been so bad. It was people who, who misinterpreted what he said. So when Tim Keller said, you know, sort of mind-melding stuff like, well, the gospel is neither left nor right. Um, you know, Josh Howerton would say, well, that was true. It was true that the gospel is neither left nor right, but there were people that took that too far. There are people that misunderstood that and assumed that left and right were, were both equal errors. Um, yeah, I mean, th- there might be some of that, but even the statement in and of itself that the gospel is neither left nor right is disingenuous because it doesn't actually, f- it, it doesn't actually frame left and right. And Tim Keller did that on purpose. But, but guys who are unashamed Kellerites, like, like Josh says that he is, and honestly, other, other pastors who are about my age that I know fall into this camp as well. They lionized Tim Keller. They're unwilling to see him for the false teacher he was because that implicates them. Nobody wants to admit they've been hoodwinked. Nobody wants to admit that they've been snookered. Um, I, I'm in the same category. I mean, a, a big influential part of my uh, involvement in ministry or my desire to be more um, 
directly involved in ministry began um, during the church growth movement, the, the heyday, I would, I would argue, or the, um, the heyday of seeker sensitivity and church growth methodology being sort of an un- unapologetic um, strategy by churches. Now, I mean, churches still do the same thing. They just don't talk about it overtly. You know, there aren't there, there are a lot of churches who are functionally um, using church growth methodology, seeker sensitivity. They're being um, uh, trying to give the world what it wants and be market responsive. They're just not calling it. You know, they're they're not they're not openly saying, "Hey, we're following the purpose driven church," even though they are. You know, the, the, and, but back then, back in the like the mid '90s, the mid '90s to the mid uh, you know 2000s, say like between '95 and 2005-ish, um, that was the that was in vogue. That was the big thing. All of the small churches were becoming mick churches. They were all adopting Rick Warren, Bill Hybels style church growth methodology unapologetically. And to a young um, a young guy like me, that seemed very attractive. What What do you mean? Like, oh, we've been implementing the wrong program. I always knew my church was kind of fuddy-duddy. And now we can be cool and hip and, and responsive to the world. And people are going to love it. And they're going to, you know, we're going to have to do five services a week because they're just flooding in here. You know, clearly we've cracked the code. That was very influential with me. And it was a hard swallow to admit um, that a lot of that movement... The, the majority of the movement was based off of false uh, false um, belief and false practice. That was tough. I didn't want to admit I'd been hoodwinked. I didn't want to admit that I'd fallen for it. Um, so, so I understand the impulse. But we have to be willing to step back and say um, all of these these teachers, especially when they're not our pastors, they're not, they're, they're not anybody that has any sort of ecclesiastical responsibility to us, you know, we're, we're not we're not uh, submitting to one another within the context of the local church. This is all extra biblical material, and so teaching and writing from Tim Keller, unless you go to re- unless you're a member of Redeemer Presbyterian, or teaching and writing from Beth Moore, unless you are, happen to be a member of, of whatever church she's at at the time, um, is all should all be taken with a grain of salt. All challenged, um, uh, you know, consistently by the Word of God. And yet, we don't want to do it because we have a loyalty to the person. And honestly, it's a loyalty to ourselves. To say, um, you know, something like, yeah, it wasn't Tim Keller's false teaching that was the problem. It was people that misinterpreted and misapplied his teaching. The the teaching was actually kind of true, but people took it too far. Or in the case of Beth Moore, um, saying, you know, it's... It's not that, I mean, Beth Moore wasn't doing anything, uh, teaching anything falsely, or it wasn't really, I mean, she, she was careful for so long to not teach men, and now she's, she's just figured out that that's not that big of a deal. There's a personal loyalty to these people that needs to be checked at the door any time that we're doing actual discernment work, both for the love of the truth and God's word, which should be our primary concern, but also even our love for the people themselves. And I mean, we'll get back to Tim Keller because we're going to talk about that next week in more detail, um, because it's 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 an issue that's not going away, and and as much as it might look like there are corrections being done, and that pastors and voices and things are sort of waking up to some of the cultural and moral decay in society that that I would argue stemmed largely from the church. Uh, as much as it seems like they're waking up to that, I don't think that they really are, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in more detail next week. But for this sort of special audio-only edition, I wanted to talk about about Beth Moore because there are um, there 
there are ardent defenders still to this day of Beth Moore, but they are the, the her defenders are largely in the progressive, egalitarian, liberal, um, don't take scripture seriously, false teacher kind of movement. But I'm not I'm not necessarily convinced it had to be that way. Maybe it did. It's possible. But what I want to take issue with is there are a lot of uh, conservative voices out there at this point or, you know, at least on the surface, orthodox churches and pastors who are, they know who Beth Moore is, they know that she, you know, they, they've basically done what scripture says to do and marked and avoided her. They're, they're marking and avoiding her um, as far as any sort of uh, um, association or endorsement or something like that. But it's because now, um, because she's been embraced by, by, uh, progressive egalitarian uh, quote-unquote Christians I I put Christians in scare quotes you can't see because I would argue many of them are not Christians um, just by by profession of faith and their confession there was no there's no reason for us to think that they are they're actual regenerate believers there's no evidence of that that we can see um, but this there, there are a lot of conservative voices and, and movements and things that are anti-Beth Moore more or less because she's being embraced by the left. And I'm kind of pulling white hair I have left out as I'm looking at this saying, guys, Beth Moore was identified to you as a false teacher by her false teachings um, over a decade ago at least. I mean, 15 years ago there were discernment ministries and blogs and and even some courageous pastors saying, guys, Beth Moore is a false teacher. It's And, and this was before she was consistently and, um, and unapologetically teaching men. This was before she was, she was preaching to uh, mixed audiences, gathered assemblies in violation of 1 Timothy 2.12. Um, you know, back when, back during the sort of the heyday and the the trend of contemplative mysticism, and the the emergent church, the emergent church movement, when voices like Rob Bell and Doug Paget and Tony Jones, and you know Richard Foster, Dallas Willard, and the, these kind of voices are all in vogue in evangelicalism. And, and by the way, a lot of that platformed and supported on a financial and organizational level by the leadership network, the same people that were pushing and supporting the church growth methodology of Rick Warren and Bill Hybels. Uh, but that's, you know, we'll, we'll set that aside for a second. When that was all in vogue, contemplative mysticism was in vogue, Beth Moore was out there um, teaching Southern Baptist women and other churches doing her studies and, and watching her videos and all that. She was teaching other women that um, you could uh, hear directly from God. She was teaching contemplative uh, spirituality at the time. I mean, I, I remember her teaching this idea that you can have a personal personal tentative meeting with God where he can tell you things that are just for you. Um, when she, she, was, she was talking about God told me randomly on a bus or a train or whatever it was not to, not to preach the gospel or, or share my faith with this person, but to just brush their hair. I mean, just nonsense like this, emotionalized, false teaching nonsense, and she's being exposed for this. You didn't have 
um, these same voices or these same movements or these same churches saying, man, we got to get rid Beth Moore Bible studies are, are garbage theologically and we need to get rid of them. Instead, they were saying, no, nah, she's fine. She's fine. The women like her. You know, they're, they're cool with it. We're, I mean, we got a lot of women in, in our, in our uh, women's ministry who love Beth Moore. We don't want to take that hard stance. Even if, even if it's pretty clear to us that this teaching is false, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We can always correct it on Sunday, you know. Um, you, you had that going on, and it wasn't until, two things, it wasn't until the sort of zeitgeist of Reformed evangelical conversation started to shift back towards orthodoxy, started to shift back towards a, a return of proper biblical male leadership in the family and the church, and, and subsequently Beth Moore um, retreating to progressive evangelicalism where they, where they don't mind at all if she decides to teach and preach to men. Uh, it wasn't until that happened that you saw these same guys say, oh man, now, now Beth Moore's gone too far. Now she's gone too far. I mean, when she was teaching contemplative mysticism, you know, we could sort of let that go because, I mean, it, that was sort of just confined to our women's ministry. And, I mean, I, you know, and you know, our, our women are going to fall for that stuff anyway, I guess. So better that they fall for it from an SBC teacher where, hey, we, we, you know, we have some say in the conversation here than us to take the hard stance and maybe they get mad at us or maybe they don't understand. Uh, but now, now that she's, uh, you know, teaching men, and by the way, we probably wouldn't have had a big problem with that either except that the, the, the winds of... Uh, public evangelical opinion are, sh are shifting back against women preachers in so many ways. Like our church members don't like this anymore. Um, so we're now going to take a stand against Beth Moore because she's preaching preaching to men. Um, the, the Of course, the, 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 the pinnacle moment of all this in the conversation was when Todd Friel asked John MacArthur, you know, in, in a couple words or whatever, just give your response. And he threw out Beth Moore as the topic. And MacArthur just said, go home. And sort of just left that that you know drop the mic moment out there, um, and then I mean he proceeded to explain why he was concerned, but primarily it was a hey, there's no call for her to be um, teaching men, there's no call for her to be preaching to the gathered assembly. She's in violation of scripture, which was entirely true. Um, but but noticeably he didn't go into and here's all of her other false teachings that that pervaded her writings and her videos and things prior to her um, unapologetically preaching to men um, and like I'm not saying that he had to do that it's not like he was wrong to say what he said but but all of a sudden that shifted the conversation because a lot of these pastors that were you know totally fine with Beth Moore in their church unwilling to do the real shepherding work of discernment and testing and really what their scriptural and spiritual responsibility was um, all of a sudden now they're, they're looking at it and saying oh man it's it's John MacArthur versus Beth Moore and our church is too conservative to not side with MacArthur here I better get on the bandwagon I better I better be out there to say I also don't appreciate Beth Moore I also think that she's dangerous that's that's what happened, but really, that was an unloving um, tact, an unloving position, not only for their churches, but even for Beth Moore. So so imagine, rewind the clock, and I'm not saying that there was some sort of guarantee that this would have, you know, created a different outcome or something, but imagine you rewind the clock to when Beth Moore was starting to write books and do Bible studies, and she was starting to become <clears throat> like a known figurehead, uh, you know, as an SBC celebrity. 
if there were faithful SBC pastors and leaders and parachurch ministries, um, you know, aside from the uh, you know black sheep of, of the family, the bloggers, the discernment bloggers and the discernment ministries, if there were other institutional leaders, the quote unquote respectables, that had gotten out in front and said, uh, Beth, this is false teaching. Beth, this is not what the Bible teaches. You know, this is, again, this is before she's actually actively teaching men in a gathered assembly. This is when she's a, she's a, a celebrity in women's ministry. And she's teaching women. And we can set aside for the moment of whether, whether separate gender-separated ministries are really the best idea. We can set that aside for the moment um, and, and just ask ourselves if these solid uh, SB, if there were some solid SBC pastors, pastors that should have known better even back then, um, that stepped up and said, Beth, this is false teaching. You know, we're going to rebuke you. You need to change this. You need to repent. You need to, um, you know, either, either remove these false teachings from circulation or modify them in some way or, or whatever is, you know, could Beth Moore have, have been a, a, a decent vo- like, like an orthodox voice in the conversation. It's possible. It's possible, but these guys didn't have the courage to do that. They didn't have the courage to step up and say, Beth Moore is teaching falsely. And for the benefit of our churches, for the benefit of the broader um, invisible church, the, the, the universal church here, for, for the benefit, benefit of Beth herself, we're going to identify these false teachings. They didn't do that. Instead, they waited until, oh man, the public, the, 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 the opinion here, you know, is has, has gone against in in the conservative Christian conversation, the zeitgeist, the opinion has gone against women preachers. It's gone against women pastors. Churches are not putting up with this. Oh, and Beth Moore is now unapologetically teaching men and crossing this line on a regular basis. Um, they, they waited until that happened to say, oh, now now we're going to say Beth Moore is, is no good. Now she should be avoided. Now she, we shouldn't do her Bible studies in our churches anymore. Um, it was, it was, you know, the same thing that Beth Moore was doing, right? Beth Moore stuck her finger in the air and said, "This is where um, the the trends are right now." You know, so oh, contemplative mysticism is in. I'm going to teach some of that. Oh, feminism is starting to um, uh, actually make inroads into conservative evangelicalism. Okay, I'm going to now push push the feminism of. Um, my public ministry. I'm going to start. I'm going to start making arguments for why it's not a problem that I'm teaching men in violation of Scripture, you know, so on and so forth. It was the same thing that that a lot of these pastors and ministries were doing. They say, saying, saying, um, yeah, I mean, Beth Moore is the bee's knees. Everybody loves her. Um, you know, w- women in our church love her. I'm going to go along with this because I don't want to actually do my job. And only now that she is not she is not in vogue. Only now that she has taken uh, her her ministry has um, been so openly and thoroughly exposed for the false teaching that it is. Am I going to now say, oh yeah, yeah, she's bad. Yeah, I'm not going to let her in my church. It's bandwagoning. And you know that we we have to be real careful as discerning Christians with who we trust um, to, to, to now speak as leading voices um, by their supposed uh, orthodox bona fides in this area. It's like, you know, we've talked about before, Kanye syndrome. This idea that, oh, celebrities are out there that then start to profess Christ 
and start to start to say Christian things and start to even like like we're hopeful that they're saved um, but because they're professing Christ and they happen to have a large uh, name or voice or public influence, we're going to uh, take their profession of faith at face value and allow them to basically have the same influence that they had um, prior to their conversion in the Christian conversation. Um, how many people were like, oh, Kanye is saying true Jesus-y things now. Um, yeah, let's, let's support the idea that he's running around the country leading crusades and supposed revivals and things. And that's awesome and wonderful. And they, they try to leverage his celebrity for the cause of Christ as if that's how God works, as if that's how the church is built by influence and celebrity. The same thing can be true in, in the discernment conversations. So we got pastors and ministries and voices out there that for, you know, years and years and years were, were discerning poorly. I mean, pastors out there that were pro Russell Moore in 2016, when, when any discerning believer knew who he was, knew what he was teaching, knew what he was supporting. And they're out there online um, defending him as this stalwart brother in the faith. And now when, it's, when he's exposed for who he was, that the discerning discernment ministries and discerning Christians, they knew back then, these same men that didn't have the, the, didn't have the sight to figure it out when we were telling them, by the way, we were telling them to their faces that he's a wolf, he's a snake, he's not to be trusted. As they were, as they're supporting him online, the the same guys that didn't have the wherewithal to figure it out back then, and might have even said, "No, we're going to support Russell Moore because we because we don't like discernment ministry. We're going to support Russell Moore because we don't we don't want to platform you guys." Fine, but now they they're turning around and saying, "Oh yeah, we knew Russell Moore the whole you know we 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 know Russell Moore's a bad guy. Trust us." Follow us, follow our ministry, support us because now we're on the same team. They're just blowing around in the wind. You know, I, I mean, you know, William Wolf uh, had a, had a great tweet about this recently, and 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 you know, I, I you know, without digging into the sort of the Christian nationalist conversation, which is ongoing, um, this was a you know this this was a great observation. He said, "There's a big difference between a pivot." And, and repentance. So you have public ministers, public teachers out there um, just a few years ago um, supporting Russell Moore and saying he's wonderful, he's this, he's that. They're out there supporting Tim Keller. He's this, he's that. Rewind the clock a little bit. They're supporting Beth Moore. Oh, she's wonderful. Oh, I've, I, I've, I've never had any problem with her, you know. Uh, all of this. And then when the, when the winds shift... And it's possible they're going to lose influence or be exposed for lacking discernment, for not seeing what it was, or worse yet, for being told what it was and disagreeing, you know, not siding with J.D. Hall, but siding with Russell Moore or whatever the situation happens to be. When that happens, they, they pivot, they shift like nothing changed. Like we can't go back in history and see here, here's you demonstrating your abject lack of biblical discernment. And the right thing to do, the Christian thing to do, is to repent. Repentance is not just, I'm going to change my view on this and pretend like y'all didn't notice what I was saying a few years ago. 
It's totally cool. Continue to follow me. Trust my leadership at this point. It's like, no, I'll trust your leadership when you humble yourself, when you admit you were wrong, when, when, you know, the screenshot of the tweet where you're saying how great Russell Moore is or that Tim Keller's uh, bad Marxist, cultural Marxist theology was just misapplied and we demonstrate how that's false. Um, I'll, I'll trust you when you repent and say, man, guys, I just didn't see it. I was believing and teaching falsely here. Forgive me. I, 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 um, have changed my position. I have, I have seen a light. In fact, in fact, I'm sorry for accusing those of you who saw it correctly of being, of being unloving or unchristlike or, or, or whatever, of being judgmental. I, you know, re, if you repent, you humbly repent. Um, it's not, we, we're not like, like those of us that saw these things, we're not hard guys. We want, we want to see that. We rejoice when we see that. If, if it's us, if we saw it falsely and now we've had to change, we will repent too. That's what believers do. But I mean, this, this, the, there's a current conversation going on right now with Beth Moore where it's like, man, this is, it's just the same thing over and over and over that this happens. That now you have a bunch of Johnny-come-latelys trying to maintain their influence. This isn't because... Um, yeah, they, they always knew that Beth Moore was troublesome or man, it was never presented to them before, but now they know this, that the truth was hidden. Like Beth Moore was exposed as a false teacher 15 years ago, a long time ago, before social media was even a thing, particularly before like discernment and polemics and all that was the name of the game in a lot of online circles, Beth Moore was exposed as a false teacher. Go over to apprising.org if you want to see this. Go over to apprising.org, search for Beth Moore, and go back to when it was first being discussed. And you have you had this brought up to supposed solid conservative ministers back then, and they ignored it, or they equivocated, or they said, hey, you're being unloving by pointing this out. And now these same guys have the gall to turn around and say, we, yeah, we're, we're against Beth Moore. Continue to follow us, and we'll, 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 uh, we'll be able to uh, lead the way in terms of discernment, in terms of proper biblical judgment. And it's like, no, you're just trying to retain your influence. That's all you're doing. And, and we see it for what it is. And the sad part is when, when you pivot rather than repent, when, when, you start to, when you try to cover up your, your, your bad discernment, your false discernment, your bad teaching, your, your, your lack of courage, you just try to cover it up with new statements that are now different and corrected from what you said before without making any sort of actual correction then you require guys like me who you know or whoever any discernment ministers to remind you to remind everybody hey you changed and you didn't say anything you pivoted you didn't repent you you pivoted and then and then you know and then we wonder why i mean i don't wonder of course but a lot of the readers and supporters of this ministry wonder like, like why why aren't these other guys quoting you why aren't they giving you credit for the work like i don't want credit for the work like for me, but I want the integrity of what's being done to be prime. And so, you know, when somebody like Josh Howerton, God bless him, comes out and says, um, yeah, hey, he puts out this list of receipts 
and says, hey, here's here's all the problems that are going on in the church right now. Here's here's the so a lot of the issues that we're running into, and then and then proceeds to say, um, but it wasn't Tim Keller that really like you know it wasn't his teachings per se. It was just people misapplied his teachings. I'm I'm an unapologetic lover of Tim Keller, and I'm a Kellerite, and all this, and it's just you know if, if people had really heard what Tim Keller had to say, they wouldn't have come to all of these morally decrepit, intellectually decrepit, biblically un un you know, indefensible positions, uh, yeah, we got to call that stuff out. That's not repentance. You know, Josh, Josh Howerton just a few years ago was, was having Beth Moore preach at his church on Sunday. And like what he, he thinks that we're not going to remember that, that that doesn't matter. You know, that, that you can somehow be red pilled and, and, and now sort of come to all of these purportedly you know, culturally and theologically solid positions and not be called out on the carpet for your, your disobedience of scripture, May, 2021 and other times, but May, 2021 is a clip I put up recently. He's, he's talking about how wonderful Beth Moore is. This was after she had been exposed, roundly exposed by everybody, everybody who was paying attention. This isn't me saying, hey, you know, Beth Moore was exposed teaching contemplative mysticism and subjective uh, God spoke to me kind of nonsense uh, back in 2010 or 2011, 2012, whenever it was, all these times. And Josh said, oh man, I never knew. I never knew about that stuff. Like you knew. It was out there. It was available. You didn't do your job as a shepherd of your flock, an under shepherd of your flock to, to be testing or discerning whatsoever. You're just shifting with the winds. So I I realize I'm, I'm I'm ranting about this longer, but this is this this cannot stand. We're not going to allow it to stand. I would encourage you as a discerning believer to um, never be afraid to step back in view of any parachurch ministry, any voice in the conversation out there. Now that now that we're all in this big big digital town square, always step back and with an open Bible analyze what you're hearing and then analyze what you heard from that person before that is one of the one of the pluses and minuses i suppose of the internet as it sits right now as it as it works as a digital medium is um we can't get away i can't get away with this and i would encourage you to hold me accountable as well um everything that i'm that i'm doing right now that we're recording that we're writing that we publish on the website is available in perpetuity and so if we have taught a false doctrine, a false idea, if we have wrongly discerned something, wrongly interpreted something going on, um, and it goes under the radar for a few years, it's still there. It's still there. Like, I can't get away with, and you can't get away with, honestly, if you're, if you're involved and you're posting things on social media, you're involved in conversation, I can't get away with, you can't get away with, these other parachurch ministries, ministers can't get away with just papering over their bad teaching or their lack of discernment with, with just more noise. At least, I mean, yeah, they, they might be able to get away with it, but they don't have to. So anybody that you're listening to and supporting and, and you're recommending as a voice or, or a, a, a leader to be followed in some sort of way, do your due diligence. There was no excuse. There was no excuse for people in 2016 to be running cover for Russell Moore. We knew who he was. He was exposed for who he was. His teaching had been cataloged. His ideas had been cataloged. His, his um, you know, lifetime registered 
being a, a member of the Democrat Party was exposed, it had been exposed for a long time. There was no excuse for supposed discerning conservative evangelicals to, to be running cover for him. There was no excuse. There was no excuse in uh, uh, 2012, 2013, for conservative churches and pastors to be okay with Bethmore Bible studies, and yet they were. The information was out there. They weren't doing their jobs. One of the one of the primary um, roles, one of the primary duties of an elder pastor, is to be able to refute false doctrine, teach the truth correctly. Uh, exegete and preach scripture and teach it and be able to refute those who oppose it. It's not just it's not just be able to, it's actually something you're supposed to actively be doing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a requirement of the office. Um, I mean, there was no excuse. There's no excuse currently in 2023 for um, solid pastors, orthodox pastors, to be looking at the teaching and the uh, engagement and, and whatever of Tim Keller and say, it's, you know, he was teaching just fine. Just people just didn't get it. There's no, no, he was teaching falsehoods. I mean, he's been actively promoting cultural Marxism in writing and teaching and appearances and, and organizationally through the Social Gospel Coalition um, for a long time now. Like, if you don't see it now, we have every reason to think you'll never see it. And we, we should not trust your discernment. And if your motivation is, hey, you know, I know it's bad. I know it was bad, but I don't want to be lumped in with that because, man, there are records online of me promoting Tim Keller and saying how great he is. And, and you know, there are writings and sermons and books and things where, where I'm identified as someone who it was falling for this. It is not appropriate. It is sinful, I would argue, to now sit in view of that and just cover it up with, with saying, um, yeah, now I believe the truth. I, you know, um, as if you didn't do that back then, you know, we talked about this before. There's an old version of you right now online, continuing to teach the falsehoods and continuing to, to be undiscerning like you were back then. The only option, the only Christian option is to openly repent of that. Like, we, we, we're not going to continue to give you a hard time if you do that. That's exactly what we hope for. It's what, exactly what you should do. You know, get on your blog, make a video, preach a sermon, whatever. Publicly um, correct yourself. Publicly repent. What are you afraid of? Oh, you're afraid you, you're, are you afraid you're going to lose your influence? Because that's not a proper motivation for any of this. Obey God rather than men. Don't worry about what people think about you. God is watching. He's right here. He knows the condition of your heart. He knows your motivation. And when, rather than repenting, rather than um, publicly saying, yeah, man, I supported Beth Moore back then. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't paying attention. That was my fault. I should have been more discerning. You know, J.D. Hall, uh, Ken Silva, Chris Roseborough, um, Justin Peters, uh, um, you know, any, any, any of the, uh, um, the, the guys who were doing the hard work of, you know, Phil Johnson, James White, I, don't, you know, I mean, name them, any of the guys that were doing online discernment in any real way back then and had properly identified Beth Moore's false teachings were right. And because I didn't want them to be right, or I was, you know, I didn't like their influence or I didn't think they said it the right way or whatever. I stubbornly refused to listen. And I was wrong about that. And I repent. I should have known 
going forward, I will be more discerning. I will be less worried about my platform and my influence and my good name than I am about the, 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 uh, validity of what I'm teaching and protecting my flock. You know, we will, we will cheer that. We will cheer that. But to just pivot now and start teaching, um, and, and start teaching different things than you taught years ago and, and taking different positions than you taught years ago with no correction whatsoever, we don't cheer that. That's disingenuous. That's disingenuous. Why, why would we believe that you have actually corrected your position when you refuse to um, rebuke your prior position, when you refuse to actually identify um, the things that you taught falsely or the things you promoted falsely back then? Why would we not just assume, hey, you're just pivoting because the, because the conversation is pivoted? You're trying to retain your influence. That's exactly what we should think. And we will think that. And we're going to continue to call it out. You know, it's... And, and no matter what you say, this is not the unloving thing to do. To identify your inconsistencies, right? To identify that you've shifted without repenting in major ways. Ways that, ways that have theological implications. Implications for discernment and polemics which are biblically charged responsibilities of yours it's not unloving for us to point it out we're going to continue to do it so i hope that this um this discussion this rant of mine i guess has been uh edifying to you and i hope that i've encouraged you to continue to not only take things at face value versus scripture but um discern the entirety of a teacher's uh, content and ministry and their track record. There's a reason that scripture um, talks about identifying, marking, and avoiding false teachers, not just false teachings. Because there are dangerous things, not only about the content of the teaching, but even the men or women doing the teaching itself, potentially. We must analyze and discern the teachers just as much as we discern the teachings. Uh, thank you for listening to this audio-only episode of Protestia tonight. Stay tuned to Protestia for all of your latest in Christian polemics and discernment news. Uh, go to church tomorrow, New Year's Eve, I know it is. Go to church tomorrow, gather and worship with the saints, uh, fellowship, uh, sit under good biblical teaching, and sing sing uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to the Lord in worship. If you're in Colorado, perhaps I will see you there. For everyone here, protestia, semper reformanda. <laughs>